did he send them back to their own timelines or did he kill them? Which... Welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 52. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite music artists to listen to each week. And I, a music, a movie buff, (laughs) will give him one of my favorite films. And we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my good friend... Matt Runquist. I almost just said Travis Ritchie. Hey, Travis. This week, I watched the movie The Atom Project, and you listened to practically unknown singer-songwriter Taylor Swift. Yeah, I've heard of him. Uh, So, yeah, this was an interesting week. I'm looking forward to talking to you about these both of these things uh but before we get to that how the heck are you you are back in your old stomping grounds huh pretty good i'm back in the basement at home in wisconsin uh we had a lovely trip home despite some of the extremely aggressive driving in the south i think they forget that some people don't have like the best traction in the world and forget or don't care I yeah, something like that. I'm not sure exactly, but there were there were multiple accidents on Saturday that slowed us down a fair bit. And it was a beautiful, sunny, dry day. And I just wanted really? to like yeah, I just wanted no to reason, shake no these particular people. reason for the accidents they just Well, the particular reason is aggressive driving. Uh, but yeah. Other than that, uh it was a good trip. We made it home safely. The dogs were very, very happy to be home. We're very, very happy to be home. It was a long, long trip, and it was hard work. You know, yeah. we, we only had a couple days at the end where we had finished the house and were able to do a little bit of hiking and a little bit of sightseeing. Oh, nice. Well, at least you did some. That's great that you had any uh, of that opportunity at all. Yeah, it was a good time. That's so. I, it was funny watching you following your trip on uh, like socials. Um, you know, I, I like I felt like I saw you say we're on our way, and then I saw you say we're home, and it was like seemed like no time at all from my end. And um, I was like, oh, that was fast. It was actually reasonably fast. We really, other than the a couple of traffic jams the first day, we really did not have any major delays at all. So. You know, it's 20 hours of driving. We broke it up into two days. Uh, oh, okay. So it's, that was they're long. Question. They're long days, but it's not it's not the worst. A lot of people in the Midwest, especially people who are a little bit younger than me, they just they just cannonball it and do it mm-hmm. in like 20 hours. And I got to tell you, that's crazy to me. I like driving and I've driven across the country multiple times. I've driven to Alaska. And oh, wow. I got to tell you, 20 hours of driving in a row without a break is not on. That's not yeah. a thing for yeah, me. I feel like my dad did that with me when we went to Florida. Uh, and I don't remember us stopping on the way. I slept in the car. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And I think we used to do that thing where you sleep in rest stops and hope the cops don't roust you out. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, and then if you have, uh, if, you, if you're a couple, uh, I don't know, uh, I mean, you guys are, but like, I, I think my parents would take shifts driving and sleeping in right. the car. Yeah. And so we just do that. But, uh, oh, well, that's great. I'm glad you're home safe and I'm glad the puppies are happy and the work was good. 
the work was good. Yeah, the house looks great. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're real happy with it. That is amazing. Uh, I have not done a whole lot of special things. Uh, we had work, or I had work, and we uh, the store was open uh, everything except Christmas Day when we chatted. So I was at work yeah. the next day, and I think maybe worked every... I might have had a day off. Uh, mm-hmm. between then and now. And then uh, today, we're recording this on New Year's Day, so Happy yes. New Year! Happy Matthew. New Year! And, uh, and of course, to the rest of our listeners, thank you very much for being here with us. This is, uh, this is a lot of fun oh, for us to do. I wasn't paying attention. What episode did you say it was? 52! Yeah, except, it, well, it's also Season 2, Episode 1. Are we gonna well, just keep... Are we just nah. gonna keep... Okay. Just keep numbering them. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very confused because there's no wow. break in the season, so it's not a season. It's just episode, and I think uh, I think it'll That's be true. cooler when we get to like episode 200 or whatever. Like people will be like, "Oh, oh episode wow. 200! Oh my gosh, how old will I be then?" So old. Yeah, 97 years old. That sounds right. Uh, yep, I'm you know math checks out. I am into the year 2024 for some reason. I think there's some symmetry in here. I don't know. The even numbers, a leap year. Uh, I'm looking forward to, um, to leaping on leap day, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a tradition I started a while sure. ago. Yeah. And, uh, what's well, a sensible thing to do. Yeah, of course. That's what this is for. It's in the name. So, yeah. uh, I, uh, I don't know. I think this is, I feel good about what we've done in 2023. You and I, Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to be carrying this through to the new year. And oh, I'm, yeah. uh, we talked at work today uh, about the things we were going to leave behind, the things that we were going to bring with us, and the things we wanted to start or restart in the new year. So uh, mm-hmm. I've done a lot of thinking about that, and I hope you have too. Uh, no, I have not. I have not really thought about it at all. I don't traditionally do New Year's resolutions. Last year was the first time in a long time that I did one. And it mm. was, of course, starting up Panko Stankhole and doing that, which made it, uh, you know, it obviously didn't make it the whole year, but I did do 17 weeks in a row of a new song every week, which was a huge accomplishment. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm really proud of that. But uh, I no no resolutions this year. I was tempted. I'm not a resolution fan be- either. I've, I've got like five songs that are like partially done right now, and mm-hmm. I have not finished anything. And I'm like, boy, Panko Stankhole. When I had that once a week, you got to release a song thing. I finished my songs right, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I got to figure out some less uh, grinding way to motivate myself to finish some songs. One a month. Yeah, but again, I how I'm a procrastinator, right? So I think that's the same thing, right? Where I'll just wait till the last week and then zip but that's, something. But up. that's still, it, I mean, you can do that and then still have, uh, if you, if you, as long as you meet your goal, then you're not so stressed all the time. You just have one week a month where you're stressed. Maybe. Okay, just an idea. Let's do it. I'm gonna do all it. Right. I'm gonna do it. One, one, right. once a month, new song yeah. from Panko. Twelve Stankle. songs in a year is still a pretty cool thing. Ugh. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think That's Peter Gabriel album. Peter Gabriel did that last year or somebody somebody famous. Peter did. Gabriel is still alive? That's great. Good for him. Good for him. No, somebody famous did. Uh, Who's that? One oh, that's my line. That's a, one of the inspector's lines. Is uh, uh, Piper? Yeah. You're still alive. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I always loved that. Uh, nice. So anyway, um, so we're both doing great and off to a great start on this new year. Uh, you want to go ahead and get into the meat? 
Let's of the episode. Let's get into the meat of yeah, the I think episode. We're have a lot let's to talk it about. Spit it out. Oh, always. yeah. Uh, how about we shake it up? All right, and do the music first. I think that is a great idea because I have no idea what we did first last time. So let's shake yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, why don't you uh, tell me about this Taylor Swift person? Yeah. So Taylor Swift is probably the most famous musician on the planet. Uh, I don't know. how. So I'm actually curious before I tell you or tell the audience a little bit about Taylor Swift, how much exposure to Taylor Swift have you had? Like, do you know a couple of the songs? Where, where, yeah, a bit. So um, uh, surprisingly little, because one of the things I did with this assignment is I went back and I wanted to kind of figure out what I knew and what I'd already heard and so i went back and looked at her biggest songs on youtube Mm -hmm. and uh you know shake it off i had heard and uh i was a little bit familiar about her biggest song and i can't remember what the name is off the top of my head but i maybe had heard it once um Mm -hmm. but i wasn't super familiar with that so i would say limited was my experience and all (laughs) You know, I was basically aware of her impact through listening to the news. Mm -hmm. Uh, But other than that, not a whole lot. And uh, and I I told you last week, I think, that I did a um, uh, a sketch where I did the Taylor Swift show where I dressed Mm -hmm. up as Taylor Swift. Yeah. And uh, and I only did the one episode and Mm -hmm. I did precious little research to prepare for that. Apparently. Even that was (laughs) 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. So more than yeah, that she's been around quite a while. So uh, Taylor Swift, for those of you who don't know, is a singer songwriter who grew up in Nashville and she started out in the country world and gradually moved into pop. She's released a bunch of studio albums and she is the biggest touring juggernaut on the planet right now. She sells out football stadiums, multiple night runs sometimes and she is a really, really good singer-songwriter. But this album... So I've liked Taylor Swift for a long time, but this particular album is called Folklore. I almost called it Folk Songs. It's called Folklore. And it was released about four or five months into the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it was a surprise. She, When the pandemic arrived, she was getting geared up to do a tour of her seventh album called Lover, and she, like many of us, unexpectedly found herself uh, without anything to do, and she ended up taking a totally different tack to her usual. So her usual songwriting is very autobiographical, and people love searching for clues in her music about, oh, this is about this person or this is about that person, and it feeds. It sort of feeds the culture a little bit. But this album is not. It's explicitly not autobiographical. She's telling tales. She's telling mm-hmm. stories, and that is a particular type of songwriting that I really enjoy. I don't know if you remember the Decembrists way, way back early in our uh, show. And you didn't particularly like the Decembrists. But one of the things I love about the Decembrists is how it's like a fountain of story. Mm -hmm. Every song is a little story encapsulated in itself. There's very little of the uh, sort of really hyper-personal type of stuff. Now, Taylor Swift does tell stories in these, but they are still really personal and about relationships a lot of the time because that is kind of her wheelhouse. Yeah. But I really liked the tack she took. And then the other thing is the instrumentation on this album is very stripped down and folky. 
And I thought when you gave me the Keith Hampton recommendation, and now you said that wasn't necessarily your type of music, but this does check a lot of your boxes. And I thought, man, what if, I mean, I, this is my favorite Taylor Swift album. I wonder if Travis could get into this. So tell me, Travis, what do you think? Yeah. So, um, spot on with that uh comparison and i thought that uh, this album is uh everything that i loved about keith's album but uh but polished like a diamond that has been uh cut by an uh, just a master craftsman jeweler and yeah. uh one, i was very impressed to learn that taylor wrote her own songs mm-hmm. because these are all very well written songs uh i i, I it, one of the things i wanted to talk to you about cuz i also i happen to have uh at work a guy who just joined our store from another state and um He's a young guy, and we we all share tidbits about ourselves uh, when we're introducing um, you know to the group. And he shared that he's a Swifty, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just listening to this album." And he and he told me a little bit about it, including the fact that it's different because it's not biographical. It was yeah. it was stories, and I'd already listened to most of the album the first time through by then, and I was sh- kind of shocked to learn that because. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 stories that she tells are very personal type stories, you know, yeah, relationships and, told, and breakups. They're largely told in the first person. Right? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So uh, I thought that that was very intriguing because you 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 can't help but feel like the person singing the song is the person in the song. Right. Right. And so I think the first time through, I just assumed that these were all at least a little bit biographical. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, but that was interesting, right? They're just a kind of a fascinating um, mental calculation to, to, to go through, right? Uh, it didn't affect my appreciation of the music one way or another. I just really found it intriguing to, to hear that. Um, but yeah, I I love the fact that she wrote these songs. I the the lyrics were, were told a very vivid uh, picture, very emotional, uh, very. Um, if she started writing these when the pandemic hit in March and released the album in June, then I am incredibly like impressed by that because turnaround on these kind of projects was a lot longer like uh did you happen to watch uh, Bo Burnham's Inside? Yes. Um yeah, so I mean that was a year, right? Mm-hmm. And then they edited and released it so we got that in 2021 somewhere. And uh this was um this was months to yeah, put out. It's, to... it's really incredible. The she is extremely hard working and yeah. extremely prolific. Oh, and that's what I was thinking. Like, if she's gearing up for a concert tour, which is the amount of the amount of work and stress and uh, preparation and execution that goes into something like that, and to have it be canceled, and then to try to funnel that into a productive thing, I, I can imagine a little bit because I was in Japan and I also was being productive and and making things writing things and then went to you know Nashville and wrote things and um so I I get that but 
this is to the nth degree, man. This is oh uh, yeah, for sure uh, above and beyond. So, so I will say Taylor Swift in my mind has earned her place as a uh, in her in her stardom in her um, in her the highest echelon status. Um, the uh, I don't really have much in the way of criticism for this album. I liked it better the second time through. Yeah. I uh, the first time through, I kind of felt that it was a little too slow. I would have appreciated a little bit something with a little bit more beat to it. And then mm-hmm. the second time through, I kind of detected those moments where I was like, "Okay, this song yeah. gives me that. This song gives me that." And um, so I even had that. So yeah. um, I cried a, a little bit yeah. uh, at a couple of songs, like yeah. very touching and emotional. Um, I, I thought it was interesting how she, I was listening to it and wondering to myself, is Taylor Swift a powerhouse singer, mm-hmm. right? And in the way that, say, Beyonce, y- y- she is just a powerhouse singer or or Whitney Houston was, a, was an amazing singer. And I was like, is Taylor Swift amazing? And I don't know if I know the answer from this album. Mm-hmm. Because she also kind of sounds like many other, right? You know, young white girl singers. Yeah, but she does have a very pure voice, mm-hmm. and I think the thing that makes her incredible is the fact that she has this good voice, but also the creativity to write these songs. And yeah. um, that to She's- me. And she plays guitar as well. Like she yeah. typically writes either on guitar or piano, and she's okay. a, a very, very competent guitarist. Yeah. So, um, very, very good album. I, 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 I don't know if I want to say I loved it, but I really, really appreciated it and recognized it for the kind of genius that it was. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a genius work of art. Well, it it grows on you too. So yeah. you said you liked it better the second time. This album really, I so I own this album on vinyl. It's how I discovered it. I was going through. We have a local record store that has a like overstock bin. So they'll get if you know Target sells records now, and if oh. they have too many of something, they'll they'll shuffle it off you know, pennies on the dollar to local record stores. And, Hmm. and so I was going through and I picked up, it's a double album, 16 songs, picked it up for 10 bucks at my local record store. And I listened to it. And the first time or two, I was like, this is nice. And then I kept listening to it and it really, really grew on me. It's funny because like I said, 16 songs, which is long. And I was a little concerned when I gave this to you. It's over an hour. I was like, man, I don't know if he's going to be into this. But every time I listened for, oh, you know, songs that I could have cut to make it like a little tighter, Mm -hmm. I would hear, I'd be like, oh, maybe track 14. And then I'd hear a moment in the song that I'm like, oh, but I love this moment. And I want Mm -hmm. him to have that moment. And there over and over again, I kind of discovered that. I was like, oh, the beginning of the song isn't great. And then, oh, this line just hits you out of nowhere. And you're like, wow. Yeah, like, yeah. Wow. 
you know, yeah. she's such an insightful person. It it almost makes me a little mad that this isn't the approach she takes to songwriting all the time. Hmm. You know, not that autobiographical is wrong or anything, but she's been in like the rarefied air of society for such a long time now that there's it's really, really hard for her to write things that are super duper relatable. I mean, and she does a great job. I like, I like her other albums, right? It's not like this is the only Taylor Swift that I like, Mm -hmm. but she has such a great ability to paint a picture with her words that it does make me wish that she would do that more often Uh, about other things other than because like a lot of her regular songs are about you know her relationships which is like the press feeds on that and the fans feed on that and and you know she gets criticism for it but it's also part of what fuels the fire and i don't hate that but it's also not like super duper interesting to me um so you know and this is super duper interesting to me any, did any of the songs in particular stand out for you? Anything that there was, you... yeah. There's a there's a bunch. There's a lot going on here, and uh, and there's a. At first, I was listening to it, going, uh, thinking to myself, okay, this is a lot of like relationship type stuff, and and then they get into some different things. There's a there's a song, and I don't remember which one it was, but it was a it was a lot of war imagery, mm-hmm. and uh, do you remember what one that was? Um, mm. I don't actually. The and I uh, yeah, I wish I I wish I remembered what it was because there are um there are it's a, it's a, it's 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 it feels like it's from the point of view of a soldier on D-Day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's it it was so intriguing to have a a modern song tell a story of kind of the point of view of that experience from someone like Taylor Swift mm-hmm. who a lot of people who especially like me who don't know her might just write her off as kind of a a a, a cotton candy bubblegum you know pop singer that all the kids love because they don't know any better um, yeah and and to have this kind of deep subject matter reflected in her writing was uh, was fascinating um the uh, only other thing I can think of is uh, I actually had to open up my phone uh, to figure out what a miracle was. Um, <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, is she trying to say miracle? I'm a, I'm a miracle, but she's saying I'm a miracle and uh, mirror ball. Yeah, yes, ball yeah. of mirrors, mirror ball. Yes, yes, yes. Which, yeah. which actually made much more sense in the context of the song. But um, yeah, so that was the only other thing that I can. Think of off the top of my head. But again, you know, I only listened to this twice through. I yeah. did, um, on the recommendation of that work friend, uh, check out very briefly just the trailer of the um, – they did a – not a documentary, but kind of a, kind yeah. of a concert mm-hmm. documentary of, uh, of this album. And um, it's – I was hoping to get more of the process – Mm. Rather than like, oh, it's it's done. Here are all the people who had to be separate for the making of this album, and what they did is they brought them together once they could come together and did an album and did a concert mm-hmm. together. But um, um, so it still looked interesting. But. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, I am going to point out a few songs. I'll try not to Please. just run down the list. <laughs> but um, my favorite song on this album is actually one of the late last tracks. It's a song called Betty. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and I liked that was interesting. Yeah, it's written from the point of view of a young guy who has cheated on his girlfriend and now he's Is psyching him. Is it a guy? Him. Right. So it's a little bit queer baity, right? Um, yeah. Oh, interesting. The, yeah, the guy. So it's obviously sung by Taylor Swift and so it's not obvious that it's a guy, but I, when I looked up about the song, it is written from the perspective of a 17 year old boy and he's cheated on his girlfriend. And now he's trying to psych himself up to get her back. And he's sort of talking himself through the story of how he got here and then what his plan is for how, how to get her back. Uh, and like most 17 year old boys, the plan is basically, I don't know, I'll show up and hopefully she'll forgive me, but it's a beautiful song. I love it. Uh, I'd actually love to cover it someday. Hmm. Um, it's a, it's just a really, really fun song and it is fun to hear Taylor Swift singing about her girlfriend, Betty, even if that's just, well, do you know what I thought it was? I thought it was a girl who had, who had, uh, somehow not cheated with but had 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 was talking to her best friend about oh, her best okay. friend's boyfriend yeah that he had that she had fooled around with yeah. you know and no was now they're... asking for it uh you know so i think there's actually songs uh from all three of the love triangle perspective in this album it's not super duper explicit but yeah. there is a fair amount of discussion of cheating and her ability to like pick out the core emotional truth of that is really really impressive i i think there's a line in the song illicit affairs where she says they tell the truth one single time and they lie and they lie and they lie a million times and it's it's perfect right yeah it, is that exactly... the one where they were talking about how we start uh we start in fancy rooms and now we're and now we're hooking yeah. up in parking lots and yeah 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 and she can't wear the perfume that she bought just for him because she doesn't want to leave a trace and yeah, sure sure yeah i i mean it's like it's all very very emotional and affecting it's really really good yeah yeah it's super super duper album um i really uh yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I don't know if this is the type of thing that I'll listen to a lot because it it is kind of uh, not morose but um, melancholy. Yeah, and it's heavy. It's, it's heavy. It's it's heavy, and I'm not sure that I have it in me to uh, to listen to that all the time. So, um, or often even, but uh, but the experience of listening to it. Uh, a couple of times was was really cool and and changed my perspective on Taylor Swift completely. Sure. Yeah, me too. And for yeah, for sure. Me too. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, is there anything else you want to say, or would you like to rate it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I. It's funny because I want to give this two ratings. I want to give this a uh, a rating of merit. And I want to give it a, a personal, like how much my just my personal rating. And I only think it's a like a point different. I would say on a on a 
on a rating of merit, this is a 10. Mm-hmm. On my personal rating, I'd probably an 8 or a 9. Um, mm-hmm. So you know what? I'm going to give it a 9. Okay. I was thinking lower, uh, especially the first time through. I was thinking lower. I was thinking like 7. But like you said, grew on you the second time through. And yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah, I'll give it a 9. Yeah, I would really encourage you to listen to this one more time. I think you'll probably find you like it even better. Yeah. So, are you uh, are you saying this is a perfect album for you? This is a perfect album for me. Yeah, yeah it's it's just, pretty. I can see it, that. It's really something. It's yeah. really something. Yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, sorry, folks. That's that means it's a ten. That's it's what it a means. ten for Matthew. Yeah, and uh, a, a a very strong, and then a qualified nine for me, uh, with the caveat <laughs> that maybe it'll grow on me even more. Maybe it'll grow on you. You know, I should make a note of all the things you've said. Maybe it'll grow on me, and then force you to listen to them one more time. Oh, that would be see. like a good year-end project. Uh, yeah, year-end yeah. project. Huh. Interesting. I notice you say that right at the beginning of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, give us time, right? And it gives me time to grow. But you know, it's funny. I I find that even the stuff that I loved from last year, I didn't revisit a lot, um, mm-hmm. just because you know, I, who had the time? And yeah. uh, I also was thinking, because I'm a big podcast listener, and um, I listen to you know NPR, Science Friday, uh, The Daily, Marketplace, mm-hmm. all these podcasts, and I don't have time to even get through them all. Mm-hmm. And so finding the time to fit in music to listen to, I was thinking maybe I should just give up on podcasts <laughs> for a little while. And well, you don't have focus... to give up on them, but you could well, certainly you could certainly be like, you know... Less, well, be like fewer. more of a music guy, like really just kind of let music take me for a year and uh, and not worry oh, so much wow. about the news of the world. And uh, um, I don't Travis, know. I don't know if I could that, do that would that would make me so happy. As <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, I would. I would just that would just tickle me pink. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe I gave it some thought. I'll. Uh, it's an intriguing proposition. Um, and then I have to figure out what to listen to when I'm not listening to the albums that you assign me. And that's also seems feels like homework. <laughs> I'm happy to choose. I'm happy to choose all the music that you listen to, Travis. Oh, no, no, no. I do have some stuff that I I, I, I like music. Uh, it'd probably be a lot of 80s stuff. But also, you know, revisiting stuff that I've loved. I'd go back and look at the uh, stuff we've listened to and, and revisit, you know. Awesome. Things. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. Travis, tell me about the movie The Atom Project. Yeah, The Atom Project, spelled A-D-A-M, as in Adam and Eve. Uh, The Atom Project is a movie that came out on Netflix uh, in, I think, 2021, no, 2022, beginning of 2022. And it was right up my alley. It's a time travel uh, kind of fun, rompy action movie, uh, and starring, uh, stars Ryan Reynolds as, and also produced by Ryan Reynolds as, uh, the, the time, the titular time traveler. And, uh, the, the, the basic premise is he comes from the future and lands in 2022 and interacts with his young self, his 12 year old self played by a young actor by the name of Walker, Walker Scoble. And um, uh, Walker has now gone on to be the star of the new um, Percy Jackson series on Disney Plus, and uh, but it also has a great 
other cast. Like, the supporting cast is incredible. Uh, Mark Ruffalo plays their dad. Jennifer Garner plays their mom. And I missed seeing her and stuff. Um, Catherine Keener plays the kind of villain role. And uh, and Zoe Saldana shows up as the uh, as his like lost wife character, who is uh, and I I love her and everything. It was directed by Sean Levy, who is got a, a pedigree, a decent pedigree. He did do another movie that I have on my list for you called uh, Free Guy, and um, but he also did you know he did a lot of comedies back in the '90s and 2000s, uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. He did the Night at the Museum film franchise, uh, Real Steel with Hugh Jackman, which is a kind of a fun Disney movie for me, um, and uh, he produced the Arri- he pro- produced Arrival, which I think I liked, and maybe you said you didn't love so much. But anyway, he's been around for quite a while, and so. Um, I think he's actually directing the new Deadpool movie too. So pretty pretty good director, I say. I I, I like a lot of his stuff and uh I think this it, here's the thing. Rewatching this movie, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Like I remembered mm-hmm. liking it, mm-hmm. but rewatching it, I found it to be really actually good. So yeah. I am curious about what you think. What do you think yeah. of the Adam project? Well, I think I can understand why this is right up your alley because you enjoy time travel, wobbly, yes, wibbly wobbly stuff. I I do struggle a little more. There's it's funny, right? We've talked about this. Time travel is basically its own genre, and there's always the question of how they're going to resolve, you know, paradoxes and things like that, and. This one kind of does a a pretty big hand wave, right? It's like eh, things just sort of snap back to the way they're supposed to be. And, uh, you know, I I, sure. Right. Like, I'm not going to get hung up on it um, because, you know, you could spend uh, you could spend basically every review of a time travel movie picking apart why it doesn't make any dang sense. Right, right. So, and it's important that they set their own rules, which I think this movie does very well and uh, yeah. and pretty much sticks with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's a thing in the middle of it where after they're, when they're kind of establishing what's going on, where the younger Adam says, uh, do you remember this happening? Do you remember meeting me when you were me? And mm-hmm. uh, the older Adam's like, well, no. The theory is that when I go back to my time, I'll remember it, but I don't right now. And so, mm-hmm. um, so that kind of takes care of those kind of issues. But yeah, yeah, I would agree. It, it kind of takes care of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's good, right? Like it, it all kind of fits together. Ryan Reynolds is very Ryan Reynolds in this movie. And I think the thing that you really latched onto and really liked and the thing that I really latched onto and really liked is the kid actor does sort of channel Ryan Reynolds for a good chunk of the first part of this movie. And it's fun to watch, right? Somehow he does it. And I don't know how. And it's not like a Ryan Reynolds impression. It's like a young Ryan Reynolds. And they... Well, Ryan Reynolds has a very specific shtick. It's funny because I've been watching the Hulu show Welcome to Wrexham. It's about a football team in Wales that Ryan Reynolds and um, Rob McElhenney from uh, Always Honey. 
yeah, Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, purchased. And Ryan Reynolds, even speaking off the cuff in interviews and stuff, is very Ryan Reynolds now. Like, it's, it's a character that he only turns off at home, I guess, or something like that. I'm not sure. But... The point is, is that when you've got such a very specific style of humor, you can write, you can write that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so he's not imitating him in terms of mannerisms or anything, but the things that he says are things that Ryan Reynolds would say. And because he has such a unique take on humor, they sound like Ryan Reynolds, yeah, you know? Yeah. They sound, it's like when you start doing Jerry Seinfeld, what's the deal with, right? Like you start, you start saying what's the deal with, and people are like, I'm getting set up for a Jerry Seinfeld joke, right? Yeah. Regardless of if you're, you know, imitating his mannerisms or not. So, uh, and that, that's all really good. I, he's so casual when he first comes back, he's like, he's like conflicted about what's going on, but not to the point where he's not going to like, initiate seven million paradoxes all uh, all at once and i couldn't figure out what ryan reynolds character was feeling a lot of the time like was he upset that things had gone so sideways like he clearly was upset about his i think he he thought that he had lost his wife forever and so he was upset about that and kind of kind of directionless almost at the beginning of the movie, even though he's trying to get back to his machine, which is sort of a, it's like a fingerprint ID jet time, time jet thing. Sure. Time jet. I don't know. Yeah, there was, I don't know. I guess I found a lot of the sort of minor nonsensicalisms really tough to deal with in this movie. Right. So the, the vibe is the movie right like if you like the vibe of this movie and i did like the vibe of this movie i think it's a positive experience but in terms of like storytelling and everything i think it was really super thin and there are some things and i know you hate this when i do this but there are things resolving around the science project that are just fantastically not how things work to the point where, you know, I mean, so the idea is that this professor has his time algorithm completely in his head, right? He's never written it down for anyone, but he put it in in the hard drive. Well, I was about to say that. And he, and he put it in the machine, right? Okay. So, and it's this giant, thing right but nobody else is apparently working at this facility and he doesn't have like a stable of graduate students that are helping him they're like the the cast is just a little bit thin a lot of the time right like he goes to this what presumably is like if you go to cern over in europe where the the super collider right there's like dozens of people there all the time because there's always there's work going on 24 hours a day and they're always doing stuff right and this is presented as like that level of project right it's a big big thing 
But as far as I can tell, only he and Catherine Keener work on this thing. Well, okay, go ahead. They did say they did recognize when they get to the facility that it's weird that no one else was there. So they acknowledge that. And I think that part of that is that (laughs) a they were like, okay, they cleared people out for the for this, you know, violence that they knew I was going to try to bring here and while they tried to do violence to me to stop me meaning adam um and but also i feel like this is a movie made during the pandemic and so they were minimizing yeah yeah i don't know i don't know no i i totally agree with that yeah it it, and stuff like that just kind of pulls me out of it right like it just they're you know, people who screenwriters can just write, he builds a giant multi-billion dollar machine, right? When that's like a life's work, right? That's, that's a life's work. You, you start your career and you have this like great insight when you're a graduate student and you write your thesis on the theory of it. That's the other thing. Like he's got to publish. Nobody gives you billions of dollars for like, I swear that I've got this algorithm. Right. That's not okay. a thing. Yeah. You know, sure. You got you got you to gotta show you got to show your work at some point. What's the the girl with the blood testing thing that got in all that trouble? Oh, yeah. Theranos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sarah, Th- Theranos. Yeah. Theranos. Theranos. Like they gave her a bunch of money and then all of a sudden people wanted her to like back it up and she couldn't back it up. And that's the type of thing that happens when you try to just like talk out your butt about science. Right. So. Well, I wonder I, if maybe he was so br- he was proven so brilliant in other things that he that that's how he got the funding to do this project. And uh, I don't know. I right. get what and, you're saying. Yeah, and so all of that stuff just it it's kind of tough for me. Hmm. Uh, the action is pretty good. Like it's it's good action sequences. It's kind of copped from other movies, right? Like he's got his lightsaber basically that is. You know, his, and they call it he, out. They know it. They know yeah. it. They're like, yeah. right. And is that better? It's like, well, we're stealing this, right? Is that better? I don't know. It doesn't feel better to me, but maybe it is. I don't know. But he's got a lightsaber, and he's super good at fighting. He can fight off dozens of people with his lightsaber and send them back to their own timelines. Which did he send them back to their own timelines, or did he kill them? Which well, yeah, it's me, not. That was the thing I had a problem with. Was that. Clear. It yeah. feels like he's killing a lot of people. He says that he's sending them back to their own timelines. Does but... he? I thought he said that death death and time no. travel are are really messy. No, he said that uh when you get Yeah, he said he made a comment about like snapping back to your own timeline it can be really messy or something like oh, that. Oh, I don't he, think he, that's what he said. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I watching it the second time was going, oh my God, he's just killing these people. Um, yeah. You know, and they're basically stormtroopers. But they're right? bad they're, people. They're, they're... Right. They're, they're bad because they're bad. Right? Because they're working like they're, for the bad person. Yeah. They're they, working for the they bad They may person. have families, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, probably have families. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get all that. Um and it's interesting because uh, maybe this is just the optimist in me. And it, I do I do nitpick plenty when it comes to things like that, I guess. And um but for me, the thing that worked better this time than the fir- the thing that I didn't really yeah, remember. Yeah, tell me about that. 
yeah. uh, is the uh, the story of the the wife and the father um, mm-hmm. and the mother. Like the whole that whole thing, the the personal aspect of the story, yeah. really really worked for me this time, and uh, I actually ended up tearing up uh, mm-hmm. towards the end when um, uh, you know you know the the story with the was it the mom or oh the end with the dad where the dad is like uh he's like you can't tell me what happens to me but i just ha- got to let you got to tell you i love you mm-hmm. and uh and that's that whole scene where the three of them are together yeah man that was a powerful scene for me and um yeah. and i loved the i loved jennifer garner's performance as the mom and and the, yeah. the there's a scene where the mom just goes to a bar because she's got this 12-year-old shit kid who's just a little a-hole, as yeah. 12-year-olds generally are. And yeah. uh, and she's just going to the bar. She just needs a drink. She needs a break. And older Adam is there at the bar and and sees her and hears her talk about himself as a kid and mm-hmm. how much she thinks he hates her. Mm-hmm. And he... And he takes a moment to let her know that no, you're you're a wonderful mom, and he mm-hmm. loves you very much. And like, that was a beautiful scene for me. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I that that scene was like really beautiful, but it did start with me going, "Wait, this kid is suspended from school, so he's been home alone all day by himself, and mom went to a bar after work instead of going." She just home? needed one. She just needed a drink, Matt. Oh, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I don't know if you know this. Mom. Did you know that there's a crime called abandonment? The kid can take care of himself. He's proven that. I was a 12 year old kid. 12 year olds are fine. Um, they. Uh, she had. A, he had a dog. Uh, but uh, no, I, I. I. That doesn't worry me so much, especially being a 12 year old kid who was plenty fine being on his own but uh i do i i really liked the idea that uh they they a thing that i've not really seen a lot of is where you know the, they they lost their dad right and the mom lost mm-hmm. her husband the kid lost his dad the kid is sad the mom's trying to hold it together but because she's trying to hold it together the kid thinks she doesn't care and yeah. she's not telling him and so uh i think that it all played really well and made a lot of sense and um yeah, you know what? Emotionally, I will, I will admit to getting distracted by all the flashing lights in this movie, right? Yeah. There is a really solid emotional core to this movie, but you know, I get I definitely get thrown off by people, you know, well, a bunch of faceless drones being chopped into bits by a lightsaber and uh nonsensical science stuff, you know. And so that that's tough for me. Yeah, I get that. I I I, I do understand that. Uh, for 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 me, the science, the the time travel nerd, not necessarily the science nerd. You know, the the guy who loves uh, Back to the Future, even though mm-hmm. it also has similar like reality issues. There are no problems with Back to the Future. It You're works wrong. perfectly. It, it works absolutely There are the same perfectly. problems with Back to the Future. Uh, but but also Back to the Future has a, a good emotional core. And I think that's where I, I latch on to that. And the, the rest of the stuff, as long as you are true to your own rules in your universe, I think I'm okay with letting you, you know, have some leeway with those sciencey bits. And... Um, 
and in that way, like I don't care that you know building a portable wormhole gun is is impossible. Uh, I just let that be the the science fiction. Well, part I don't of it. care that building a per- portable wormhole gun is impossible. What I think what bothers me is the idea that this one researcher just sort of had a great idea and whipped up a whipped up a wormhole machine. But it's like Doc Brown inventing alone. inventing a flux capacitor. It's essentially it's totally the same different. thing. It's totally <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, uh, well, in that case, um, I was okay with one and okay with the other as well. Um, but I, I, I really enjoyed all the performances, and I thought it was, um, I thought it was really good. I, I especially was impressed with the the kid, um, and just holding his own, like a twelve year old kid mm-hmm. holding his own with Ryan Reynolds and um, and Jennifer Garner and Mark mm-hmm. Ruffalo. And Catherine yeah. Keener, um, yeah, it was it was very impressive to me. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. And he for not sure. he didn't he was precocious, but he and he, and he was he played that line of being a, a little a hole kid, uh, you know, kind of that precociousness, but didn't cross it into annoying for me. And mm-hmm. I and I thought he had an arc where he became he 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 figured out through various, you know, mostly by older, his older self telling him, you know, you got to get with it. Um, yeah. He figured out that he needed to not be such a jerk anymore. And uh, <laughs> I really liked that. So I'm, I'm, I kind of want to watch the new Percy Jackson series just to see how he's growing as an actor. Also yeah. because I auditioned for that series and didn't get it. And I was really bummed about that. But um, mm-hmm. um, not for Percy Jackson. I was going in for... Um, <laughs> One of the other characters. I got to admit, I did not think you went in for Percy Jackson. What? You don't think yeah. I can play a teenage boy? I mean, it's the age maybe of CGI, with like, man. It is yeah, all maybe with like fix it keyboard or something. But yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, you want to give it a rating? Are you ready? Uh, gosh, do I want to give it a rating? I do want to give it a rating. I hope you're not disappointed by this, but I would say this. This one kind of averages out for me. I feel like I've I've given a lot of average ratings lately, but this one feels like a five to me. It feels like there were there were some really enjoyable bits and some parts that really ground my gears. And that I just have that, to figure out what what your what your limit for like sci-fi for suspension of disbelief is. And I, I feel like you don't have a lot of that like i feel like your limit is very low and yeah. um like the limit does not exist uh for matt on suspension of disbelief but um that's fine i'm not i'm not okay. th- this movie meant very little to me until uh like i, I remember <laughs> liking it and uh, it was until on my moments list ago yeah. well no 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 it's just for me rewatching it uh, much like taylor swift made me like it even more and yeah. uh, there was very little that was that i had a problem with in this movie mm-hmm. and in fact Things that I'd forgotten about from the first viewing just as mm-hmm. kind of a – like I, I thought it was kind of a fun popcorn action you know, sci-fi movie. Um, yeah. It ended up being a lot deeper than that for me on the second time through. So um, sure. I was really happy to experience it the second time. So five from you. Uh, I'm – you know, it's funny. I don't remember if I – I think I rated it on IMDb already. And I think I might have rated it a uh, an eight – but I'm wondering if I want to give it more because of how it holds up. Um, I think I do. 
I think, you know, any movie that can make me cry and laugh out loud is is probably, uh, and I like it better the second time, is going to be worth a nine. So that's what I'm going with. I'm wow. going with a nine. Nine. Nines across the board for Travis today. Nice. Nice. Nice nine. Uh, all right. Nice nine. Well, tell me what you've got for me next week. What do I have for you next week? Have you ever heard of Joan Armitrading? No. I'm not even sure I understand what that second word was. Armatrading, A-R-M-A-T-R-A-D-I-N-G, Armatrading. Okay, great. No. So Joan Armatrading is a, a singer-songwriter from the 80s, uh, late 70s and 80s. Okay. Uh, she is from St. Kitts, which is a um, island in the Caribbean, but she's also a British citizen. And she performs a lot of like pop rock music from the 80s and i used to hear all these people talk uh, people i really respected talk about joan armatrading joan armatrading but i never really listened to her and then a couple years ago i was in a thrift shop and i found uh, an album called track record which is a sort of best of uh it's a from it's like a best of but from a very limited portion of her career it's like three or four albums and uh combined into 13 tracks 47 minutes on this album and i really really like this and given your stated love of 80s music i think you're gonna like this too uh she's a really good pop songwriter and she's got a really fascinating voice, I think. Very powerful and very emotional. And sometimes she really hits you in the feels. Hmm. Uh, there are a couple on this, a uh, couple of songs on this that are uh, problematic. Uh, just relationship dynamics that we wouldn't put up with these days okay, okay. and uh i'll keep an ear out for those because we'll talk about them next week i was thinking about just removing them and then i was like no no we'll talk about we'll talk about uh sort of poisonous relationship dynamics so anyways track record by joan armatrading for okay. episode 53 three excellent uh well uh matt have you seen the movie the impossible uh about the uh about the uh tsunami in um the Indonesian tsunami? No, I have not. Well, that's what I'm going to give you. Uh, we just passed the 19th anniversary of that tsunami. I don't know if you remember when it happened. I, oh, yeah. I do remember. I was um, at a bar in uh, uh, at Universal City here in Los Angeles with a bunch of people when the news came in. And it was just like 100,000 people died. And you're like, mm -hmm. what even is this number? And... Um, so they they made a movie about it, and the movie is interesting because it centers around a uh, a non-native family that is visiting the uh, the Indonesia for a vacation. So it's a uh, in it's a star uh, international cast starring Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor and a very young Tom Holland in his film debut um, as one wow. of their kids. Yeah, he's like twelve in this, and. Uh, I rewatched this a couple of years ago. You you know that I don't know who that is, right? Do you not know who Tom Holland is? 
Sorry. Oh, Matt. Uh, well, Tom, ha- Tom Holland is uh, the new Spider-Man. He's Peter Parker. Oh, that guy. Okay, but he's also, I, know, I know his face. He's okay. also in a lot of stuff. He's having his own moment right now. He's doing a lot of, like, serious fair and doing a great job at it so um if you if you care to check out some of his less blockbustery stuff he's doing good work um okay and he also got his start on uh, not start but an early start on uh the west end i think playing billy elliott uh doing oh, okay. you know, and so he's a gymnast he's uh, a, a dancer and that's oh this is the guy who did umbrella on the lip sync yes, battle yes. yes i do know who tom holland is yes, yes. the okay. sexiest lip sync battle in history um, yeah he kind of shut opinion. it down yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, against zendaya who who's like who who did a great job herself but he did mm-hmm. umbrella and was like that anyway so i love tom holland i think he's incredible um uh but this is just his start and uh but really the star of this well he's also a big part of it but i found naomi watts to be really an amazing part of this movie and makes me wonder why we're not seeing more of her anyway Mm -hmm. this movie's from uh, 2012 basically is a, a a story of one family who is surviving the uh indonesian earthquake and resulting tsunami okay yeah. Wow. Well, that's incredible. It's a it's a it's a heavy film, but I thought that uh that, you know, it's drama. Uh there's no time travel. You don't have to suspend mm. suspend your disbelief. It's all real. It all happened. And okay. uh so yeah, we'll see what you think of it. All right. Yeah, I mean, I do remember seeing uh previews for this movie back in the day. So, yeah. Uh, well, listener, if you would like to join the conversation with us, you can email at us at exposing ourselves podcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on our Facebook by just searching exposing ourselves. Yeah. And please do leave a review on whatever podcast uh, app you're using to listen to this. Um, and, or, uh, if you're watching us on Facebook or anywhere else, uh, give a thumbs up, a like, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, it helps us and a review helps us even more, even if you just rate us because precious few podcasts even get ratings from their listeners. So, uh, you can have an outsized impact on our success. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, Travis. Yes. Thank you for exposing yourself to me this week. Ah, thank you for exposing yourself to me, Matt. I'll talk to you next week. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.